Hi, welcome to the Ellen B. Show. I'm Ellen, your host for this great talk show that informs. I'm coming to you from KZSM.org in San Marcos. KZSM is true community radio. If you miss my show, you can follow me on SoundCloud or Facebook. Now, before I introduce my guests, I am going to read my disclaimer so I don't cause any trouble for KZSM, my guests, or myself. So here's a disclaimer. The opinions expressed on this show are those of its hosts and guests and not of the opinions of KZSM or its governing body, SMTXCRA. And before I go any further, I want to thank my husband because without him, my show could not happen. He presses all the buttons and he tells me when all the breaks are. So if he goofs up, blame him, not me. And sometimes uh, he will even help us uh, when I'm talking to my guests. Okay. Hi, Sid. Hi. So you can't hear him, but he said hi back. My guest for today's show is Eric Weeks. He's a Habitat Conservation Plan Specialist. Okay, Eric, thank you for joining me uh, for today's show. That's a mouthful. It is. What do you do? Um, so I work for the city of San Marcos. Okay. The HCP Specialist. Um, so I manage a lot of contractors who implement conservation measures for the Habitat Conservation Plan, as well as managing the Discovery Center. Okay, so can you explain a little bit more about the hiring that you do and what do those people do? Sure. So we have contractors um, for the Habitat Conservation Plan. What's the Habitat Conservation Plan? Habitat Conservation Plan is a plan planning document approved and signed by a number of stakeholders mm-hmm. um, who have stake in the Edwards Aquifer um, with the purpose of ensuring spring flow and um, conserving habitat for endangered and threatened species, mainly for the Comal and the San Marcos spring systems. So we okay. do a lot of conservation measures for those two purposes. Okay, so what are the endangered species now? Um, a few of them are the Texas wild rice, which is endemic to San Marcos. It's found nowhere else in, in the world. We also have the San Marcos salamander, the fountain darter, the Comal springs riffle beetle. beetle. And um, those are the guys that, uh, that we want to protect um, because their numbers are getting lower or they're only found here in the entire world. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So why are they endangered? Um, so Texas wild rice is endangered because this is the only known population in the world is the upper four miles of the San Marcos River. So just its small um, you know, location in the world, that's why it's protected. Others are protected because they're rare as well, and their numbers are, they're not diminishing, but they're not stable. So we want to help conserve those habitats as this region and the aquifer um, has a higher demands put on it. What's a affecting their um, their life. So they require a lot of these um, these species have evolved to to live in in these very specific environments, Comal and San Marcos Springs. Um, they're very unique <clears throat> versus other spring systems because they have a constant 72 degrees. Right. Um, they have flow flowing water. San Marcos Springs has never gone dry. So a lot of these species, when you try to put them in other environments, they don't do well because they require these specific physical characteristics that that the this spring system has and and um and these species are only here in san marcus 
The San Marcos Salamander is only in San Marcos. Texas Wild Rice is only in San Marcos. Fountain Darters are in Comal Springs as well. Right. Um, Fountain Darters and Comal Springs Riffle Beetles are in both systems. But besides that, they're nowhere else in the world. Oh, well, I learned something today. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Okay, I, um, I have a friend who um, just moved here, and um, she knew you were going to come on my show, so she said, oh, please, Helen, please ask him this question. I said, oh. So they're a family of four, so they have two young children, small. Um, one is six and one is two, and they love to swim and hike, and they're not sure where to go in San Marcos for this. Sure. So we have we have lots of hiking opportunities. We have over 22 miles of trails in a lot of our natural areas, hike and bike trails, um, different levels of difficulty. Mm-hmm. You know, you can find some easy trails for more family uh, kind of type hiking. Um, and those are in six natural areas, uh, as well as a lot of river park trails. Those are pretty easy going and you have the view of the river. So I suggest looking into the river trails and some of the natural areas. For swimming, the river is... 72 degrees all year round. It's always Is that where everybody goes tubing? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we see a lot of people there. It's really mm-hmm. clean, really clear, constant temperature, so it's great to swim. 72 um, degrees? 72 degrees. Because mm. it's, it's straight from the Edwards Aquifer, so it's a constant temperature. And then we also have two public pools. We have a pool in the Activity Center. We also have a pool at Rio Vista Park. Right. Now, the pool in the Activity <clears throat> Center, I'm familiar with. In Rio Vista Park, it's more kid-oriented. It has a mm-hmm. lots of kind of splash pads and water features for kids to play in. You have to pay an admission to that one, right? I think so. It's it's pretty affordable, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, Sid and I go to the one in um, San Marcos Activity Center. Mm-hmm. So that's that's really good. Um, <clears throat> well, she said that her folks are coming for a visit, and they love to walk, but they're in their 60s. Now... I guess we wouldn't advise them to walk in the summer. It gets pretty hot here. Right. You know, early mornings or evenings would be a best time to walk to avoid the heat. Um, river park trails are very uh, very short, very easy, easy difficulty. Um, so you kind of stroll, and there's lots of um, benches. You can sit along the way and, you know, relax and enjoy the view. So What about mosquitoes? Summertime is when we have mosquitoes. Um, so <laughs> I, I know. We tried it. <laughs> you know, bug spray is good in that time of the year. Year, but right. spring and fall, we usually don't get too many mosquitoes. Okay, now we're going to just go <laughs> off the subject just a little bit. Red ants. No, fire ants. Fire ants. Fire ants. Explain to me what they are, how you can get rid of them, because I know I've gotten bitten by them, and when do they come? So fire ants, um, they're pretty bad. So I, I got some bites earlier today on your ankles, right? Oh, you did? So the fire ants, <clears throat> the mounds usually appear right after heavy rain. When the ground gets really saturated, it brings the ants to the surface. They start making their mounds. Best ways to get rid of them, there are some more uh, eco-friendly ways. Diatomaceous earth is a natural thing you can put on ant piles. Yeah, that's what we use that's probably the, the most natural way and then there's other poisons but we try to avoid using um using chemicals and poisons because um, that could affect some water quality locally now what happens if you um if you don't do anything do the mounds just increase um they they could increase yeah okay but it's it's not like if you don't do anything they're gonna, they're gonna take over anything but your yard you're always gonna have them if you don't do anything with them yeah because uh when we <clears> first <throat> moved, we've only been here about eight months 
and uh, I was mowing. I didn't know anything about fire ants, and I mowed right over one of their uh, hills, and um, I didn't get bitten too bad. Boy, they itch. Yep. They itch. So, um, all right, we digressed a little bit, but ah, the Discovery Center. Tell me about the Discovery Center, because I have people... Who, who wrote into me and they said, oh, ask him about the Discovery Center and ask him about the plan sale. And so I'm going to ask you about the Discovery Center. Sure. So the Discovery Center is an interpretive center for river, parks, and trails. Mm-hmm. So anybody interested in the in the San Marcos River and some of our natural areas or any of our river parks, that's the center to go to. We have we have maps, we have information on all those things and, and we have people who are, who are experts about it that can talk about it and give you advice on, on everything related to those three topics. And in addition to that, we also do a, a lot of native plant programs here. Yeah. So we have biannual plant sales. We have master naturalists, master gardener opportunity, volunteer opportunities. Um, we have workshops, trainings, you name it. So it's a, it's a great center for lots of people to come and, and learn about you know their, their out, out, outside environment. Okay, and what's the, what are the master gardeners? So master gardeners, master naturalists, they come every Tuesday morning uh-huh. and they volunteer typically in the mornings and they can do things from <clears throat> maintaining native demonstration garden beds to propagation, to tree care, trail maintenance, you name it. We have we have a lot of um, trails and demonstration garden beds on the grounds. Yeah, I saw them. They're beautiful. We can get people ideas about, mm-hmm. you know, native plants to choose and what they look like in, in a landscape setting. And we have, we have master naturalist who who makes plant labels on stones mm-hmm. so there's lots of education opportunities for people to come out and just learn about, about landscaping and native plants so now what happens if i have a um, a question about my plants or what i should plant and when i should plant stuff can i call the discovery center and absolutely talk to somebody absolutely we have we have several staff who are very knowledgeable about native plants and when and where to plant them and different types of soils and climates and you know, what, what plants you're looking for, and they have lots of um, knowledge, and they can make suggestions for you. Okay, because I know um, people told me, do not plant anything till October. And they were <clears> right. <throat> the plants I planted in October are doing beautifully now. And then the ones that I planted in May, they're doing okay, but they're not as firmly uh, in the ground. Right, yeah. so the reason why you want to wait till about October to plant is that it gives that plant's time to establish its root systems mm-hmm. um, before the summer comes around. Plant it in May time, it has it struggles developing its roots because that sun is really drying that plant out. So you get a, a lot healthier plants if you plant in the fall. Fall is usually the best time or early spring. Okay, and then it's really hot now. It gets like 90 degrees, 100 degrees. Do, do you water your outside plants or you just leave them alone? So with any plant, you have to water it until it becomes established. So typically, with let's say you get a native or adapted plant, you're going to want to water that, you know, maybe once a week for a couple months or so while it becomes established. How do you know when it becomes established? Um, usually, I about, mean, let's just say you plant it in October. You'll see it start to grow a little bit. Usually, about a couple months or so, you'll baby it for a little bit, then you'll start fading off. And oh, after really? you know about six months or so, you really don't have to water it a whole lot. You may do a little bit of supplemental watering during the summer if we get through a drought. But um, after that, add some compost 
mulch and just ease off on your watering and let it let it do oh, its really? thing. Because I always feel like I have to water my plants. I water it like every two weeks. <clears throat> the thing with watering with your plants, you want to water it really deeply, right? And really infrequently. If you water a little bit of water all the time, yeah, then you have water a lot. You have water at the very surface of the ground. Right. You have shallow root systems. You want those roots to be very deep roots, which is why you want to do a deep soak. How do you know you're doing a deep soak? Um, so let's let's say for instance you have a, a one gallon plant, you probably want to water about two gallons worth of water into it versus you know a quarter gallon. You want okay. a lot of water in that soil so those roots can that water percolates through the soil and those roots stay deep. Okay, okay. And Sid just signaled me that it is break time. So it's time for a break and um We'll be right back. Howdy, howdy, y'all. This is Tina, your host of the 5 O'Clock Friday Show. Join me every Friday from 5 to 7 p.m. I'll bring you some fantastic music in rock, country, hip-hop, blues, and more. Don't forget to catch my updates in traffic and community events that are going on around town. The 5 O'Clock Friday Show, every Friday from 5 to 7 p.m. on KZSN.org. Hey, San Martians, read any good books lately? Read any bad books lately? Any books you'll never forget? Any books you want to fling directly into the trash? Whatever you've been reading, or not reading, join us Tuesdays 4 to 6 for Bookmarked, all about books and reading in San Marcos and the world. Hey, for all you classical music aficionados, KZSM.org has its has a classical music program now. Listen to classical music with Alan Sunday nights from 10 p.m. to midnight as I play masterpieces from Chopin and Bach and Mozart to other uh, classical music favorites uh, here on KZSM.org, San Marcos Community Radio Station. Experience San Marcos. You could come to the river and jump in or go downtown and take a run around to see all the local merchants. But if you want to feel San Marcos, you need to tune in on Tuesday nights at 9 to 10 p.m. and listen to Downtown Funk with Sammy the Bull playing all the top hits, top grooves, obscure funk from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. So if you want to get your groove on and reminisce or if you want to feel like it was back in the day tune in on tuesday nights at 9 p.m hey san marcus this is virginia from equality right now tune in every saturday afternoon at 4 p.m for lively discussions on gender issues and rights as well as race and relationship equality be sure to check out my facebook page and tune in to kzsm.org your true community radio Join KZSM.org at the Farmer's Market on Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Stop by our booth to meet the KZSM DJs on San Marcos' own community radio station. This is a fabulous time to learn what KZSM.org is all about and how you can help by volunteering, donating, or underwriting. Then pick up some fantastic veggies, essential oils, local honey, much-needed coffee, as well as much, much more. We will see you there. The end of a very long week is at hand. You've made it through. Whew, it's time for a drink. Pour a cold one, pet the cat, take your shoes off, and just like that, I'm right here with you in a blink, spinning the tunes you want to hear and talking to people you want to know. 
I'm there, kzsm.org, 8 to 10 Central Standard Time. On Fridays, you're listening to Friday Night with Care. All right, welcome back. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to The Ellen B. Show with me, Ellen. I'm your host. Now, you can call me Ellen, or you can call me that girl from Brooklyn. I'm coming to you on KZSM from San Marcos, a true community radio station. You can also follow me on SoundCloud or Facebook. I am talking here with Eric Weeks, who's a Habitat Conservative Plant Conservation Plan Specialist. Oh, again, that's a mouthful, but I'm having a good time. I'm learning a lot. I'm learning a lot. Okay, so now the Discovery Center has lots of programs, but one in particular I'd like to talk about is the Monarch Festival and why monarchs are important. And what are monarchs? So monarch is a butterfly yeah, um, who migrates through central Texas to winter in Mexico. It makes a migration about April time and then about September, it comes back up. So it goes back and forth from Mexico mm-hmm. to Texas, central Texas. It, it flies through central Texas, so it'll go, you know, northern North America. Oh, okay. And it winters down in, in Mexico area, okay. typically. Okay. Is it a big butterfly? Um, It's about maybe three, four inches across. Okay. It's uh, it's orange, black, and white, and it's a, it's a prized species. It's, it's, un, it's, it's not technically threatened right now. It's not classified as threatened, but it's, it's numbered are dwindling um, past years um, because of habitat destruction, um, because of development, and because of increased use of pesticides and herbicides. So um, that's the reason why it's so important and we want to protect it. How, how do they know that the uh, species is dwindling? They do population counts. How do they um, do that? You know, I, I think, I, I know they, they have little tags they put on. Uh-huh. It's almost like a little sticker. Uh-huh. And uh, they've been doing population counts, I think, for at least 20, 25 years or so. And um, I think they, they track populations based on that. And they, they may do it in the winning grounds as well. So what is the festival about? So the Monarch Festival is our, it's going to be our first festival. Um, it's part of the Monarch Champion City that our mayor has signed on to. Um, there are 24 tasks in order to be considered a Monarch Champion City mm-hmm. by the National Wildlife Federation. Mm-hmm. And hosting a Monarch Festival is one of the 24 tasks. So the festival will have milkweed for sale. We'll have booths um, to teach the public more about the monarchs, conservation, what they can do at home, and just teach them more about the monarchs and, and just keep the ball rolling and hopefully... Um, See what am I looking for? Inspire the public to to help conserve the monarch. So when is the festival? The festival is October thirteenth. Oh, everything happens in October. Yeah, so that's the same day day as our native plant sale. Whoa, Not, the native plant sale. Yeah. Let me tell you about that. We mm-hmm. had a good time. <laughs> we went to two plant sales. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, so the plant sales from nine o'clock to four o'clock. And you better get there early. Get there early. We we uh, sell we out. Sell them like hotcakes. Yeah, like hotcakes. You think people <laughs> were buying? And they have these wagons, and they fill <clears> these wagons up. With plants and, and Sid and I look at each other. Oh, they must have some big backyards. It's a big deal. It happens only twice a year, and um, there's a really there's a big demand for this for the public in San Marcos. Um, there's not a, there's not a lot of uh, native plant options around here. So oh, okay. So these are all native plants. They're all native and adapted plants. We've we've recently added a little bit of herbs and veggies as well. Okay. So. Okay. Now I think um, we're going to be talking about native plants a little later. Yeah, I remember when Sid and I 
um, saw this sign. There's this big sign. It says Native Plant Sale. And uh, one one sale we couldn't make because we had to go to North Carolina. I was so sorry. But then we made the second one. It's a good thing we got there early cause, because parking is limited. And um, we got there about 10 o'clock. And I would say don't get there any later. And on October 13th, we'll be there even earlier. Right, Sid? <laughs> yes, he's shaking his head. Yes. We, yes. we This last sale, we had an early bird special. Yes. The first 30 purchases get a free free hibiscus tree we had. And this year, we're going to have another free giveaway. So the early birds get a little freebie, get a little incentive to get there early. First 30 people? We haven't we haven't figured out the, the details on how many we'll have or what the giveaway will be, but there okay. will be an early bird special. Okay. Okay. And you also sell, do you sell um, soil or? Uh, we do sell some, some bagged potting soil. Yes. And then you have tea. We have compost tea. Yes. Compost tea. That I didn't. I didn't buy. I was tempted, but I didn't compost buy Compost tea is great. So we, we, we sell compost and compost tea. And this is sourced from Bobcat Blend, which is Texas State University's composting program. Compost tea is basically organic liquid fertilizer. So you can do a foliar spray on your plant's leaves, or you can do a soil drench. And it's just, it's great. Tons of nutrients. Um, it's really great for your plant. How, how often do you do that? You can, you can use compost tea maybe once a week or once every two weeks if you like. It's usually best um, when the plant is stressed or when you're transplanting it, planting it in the ground. Uh-huh. That's the best time usually to use it. Oh, do you have uh, compost tea now? Um, typically, when we have compost tea, you have to make big batches of it. Right. So um, we can make it uh, by request. Or we will have it at the two plant sales. Oh, okay. So, uh, listeners, if you're here in the United States and if you're in San Marcos or about an hour away, come on down to the plant sale October 13th. It is a hoot. And everybody's so nice. Right, and they'll answer any of your questions. We had we had a really good time. We had a good time. Um, okay, this is uh, I have a lot of friends. She, this friend just moved to San Marcos, so she's not quite used to uh, the heat, and she's got a backyard, and it's a little smaller than where she came from, and she doesn't know what kind of plants to put in it. She doesn't know what to do. So how would you? I mean, I know it's you'd have to give her a very general idea of what to do because she probably needs to call the discovery center um and um i think she'd like um a small garden also so she wants flowers she loves bright flowers she wants some trees right now there's nothing in her backyard except grass so what would you suggest for her i would suggest- I'll call you dr eric <laughs> dr weeks so I definitely recommend choosing a native or adapted plant species. That's what, all we offer. Um, so these species are, they've evolved to to handle the climate in central mm-hmm. Texas. Um, they can do drought, they can do very low water, they can do full sun. They're adapted to the soils we have here. So all these species that you buy will do really well where you're at versus picking a plant that's from somewhere far away. It's going to struggle whether it needs more water or it can't handle the freezes, things like that. So picking the right species for the right spot is the first thing you need to look for. Okay, so that's better than going to Lowe's and not knowing, because they have all kinds of plants there. And a lot of things that you get from Lowe's, you don't really know what you're getting. You don't know what's going to grow into. You don't know 
what it needs. Um, right. So when you come buy plants from our plant sale, we actually have small cards that show the soil conditions, the water conditions, how big it's going to get. Mm-hmm. It's a fast grower, it's a slow grower, um, all those things. That way you can pick the right plant, the right spot, and that way you're more successful. Okay, but there's no, she can't come and buy plants other than at your plant sale though. So at our plant sale, we typically continue the sale two to three months after big sale. We'll oh, have okay. some leftover plants. We'll have some more plants coming in. Okay. So we typically have sales every Tuesday and Thursday from 12 to 5, okay. sometimes till 6. So that Tuesday, Thursday afternoon is is an opportunity for those who miss our big Saturday sale to come buy more plants. Okay, but those are the only times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's really past the planting season anyway. Yeah, typically, you know, our, our, our spring sales usually maybe the first week of April and towards, you know, end of May, it's super hot and it's really not the best time to be planting. So we kind of kind of slow down then. And then the fall, October, middle of October is when our plant sale is. And we can sell that through the end of the year. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that would help her. And uh, if she has any questions, she needs to call um, the Discovery Center. But what about a garden? What kind of vegetables can you grow? Um, so you can have a spring or you can have a fall garden. Okay. And both have different vegetables. So springtime, um, tomatoes peppers, squash, onions, potatoes, all kinds of good stuff. Those mm-hmm. are kind of the highlight. Um, fall garden, you get a lot more greens. So you can okay. have your lettuces, your spinaches, kale, all that kind of good stuff. Um, see, what else do we have in the, in the fall time? So would she go to, you for, to the Discovery Center to get plants? So yeah, at our, at our plant sales, yeah, we'll have October. we'll have all the vegetables that do well in that season. See, I'm not used to having um, hot weather in the uh, in winter, so I can actually grow my vegetables all year round. You can have a fall garden, you can have a spring garden, yeah. So the fall garden is from October till when? Um, you know, till about about March or so. Really? It starts warming up, and that's when your your cold season, your fall uh, vegetables start kind of going away, and you ease into your spring season. Because when we lived in uh, North Carolina. I had three and a half acres, and when we first came there, I had a 50 by 100 garden, and I grew like 100 ears of corn. Wow. It was so good. My friend came from, from Brooklyn, and she was like, she still remembers it today. So I had a garden for a couple of years, but now I'm sort of thinking about it. I'm not sure about it, but it would be nice to have fresh vegetables or all year round. So we've actually had workshops, and we'll continue having those to teach the public about, um, about vegetable gardens. Or- oh. To start what to do and uh, that way people who are more interested about vegetable gardens want to learn a little bit they have the opportunity to come to a free workshop and um, Alex is one of the person we have on staff okay she's got 10 years nursery experience very knowledgeable okay um, she's the one who hosts the vegetable workshops okay so if somebody's interested listeners if you're interested call the discovery center call the discovery center or go okay. online discovery center okay and we have workshops there um, where you can sign up for and attend for free all right that's a good idea. Oh, Sydney's signaling me. It's another break. Okay, so when we come back, we'll be hearing more from Eric. So uh, see you in a little bit. What do you plan on doing this Friday night? Yeah, me either. How about we spend it together? Fridays, 8 to 10 here on KZSM.org. I'll help you relax and let go of the week and, and play you some music, introduce you to some people, uh, new friends. Right here at KZSM.org, San Marcos, Texas. This is David, the handsomest boy on radio. Listen every Tuesday night 
From 10 p.m. till midnight for jazz, fusion, bebop, samba, bossa nova, cool jazz, Latin, and maybe even some reggae and some Afrobeat. That's Tuesday night at 10 p.m. till midnight on kzsm.org, San Marcos, Texas. This is Uncle Gene. Wherever the drums are beating and dancers are on the floor, that's where you'll find me. If you can't join me at a powwow, then tune in to Indigenous Freedom Radio every Saturday afternoon from 2 to 4 p.m. for the latest news, music, information, and powwow updates right here on kzsm.org, your true community radio. For the latest in powwow updates and news from around Indian country, tune in to Indigenous Freedom Radio every Saturday from 2 to 4, right here on kzsm.org. Do you love listening to great music? Are you interested in topics that can blow your mind? Do you like having a good time when listening to the radio? If so, then listen to Into the Gray, Friday mornings, 10 till noon. Into the Gray is a public interest radio program we can all enjoy. That's Into the Gray, Friday mornings, 10 a.m. until noon on kzsm.org in San Marcos, Texas. Hello, Starshines. This is Chill B. Listen to my radio show, Killzone San Marcos, every Monday at 4.02 p.m. on kzsm.org, your community radio. Later. Okay, welcome back. If you just tuned in, you're listening to The Ellen B. Show with me, Ellen. I'm your host, and I'm coming to you on KZSM from San Marcos, a true community radio. You can also follow me on SoundCloud and Facebook. I'm talking with Eric Weeks, a Habitat Conservation Plan Specialist, and he works out of the Discovery Center. And I'm learning a lot of things, so that's good. I want to thank Eric for coming in educating me. But uh, I'm curious about this. There's a lot of development going on, a lot of subdivisions, and I want to know how it's affecting the parks and rivers nearby. So what issues and um, how are you going to, how are you trying to solve it if you are or, and what we can do to help? So with development becomes um, population growth, right? So we're in the right dead middle of Austin and San Antonio corridor, fastest growing area in the nation. They've been ranked the last few years. Um, so population growth comes um, higher demand on water. Mm-hmm. So um, we have water quantity and water quality issues that come with development. With water quantity, um, the Edwards Aquifer is the groundwater source for a lot of the cities, and a lot of the wells that we get our fresh water from. Um, up until recently, that's the sole source of water for the city of San Antonio. So that's a big deal, especially how big San Antonio is and how fast they're growing. So we have to monitor um, the levels of the aquifer, have conservation plans in place. And the, way, the way we do that with quantity is um, there are pumping fees mm-hmm. for pumping water out of the Edwards Aquifer. And those fees help to fund the habitat conservation plan, which mitigates 
pumping from the aquifer um, and uses that pumping fees to help conserve habitat through a number of conservation measures. So there's a limit to what um, big corporations can pump. Exactly. And then once once those aquifers hit certain triggers, hit certain levels, yeah. um, there's drought restrictions that go into place where you're required less water on irrigation, can't, you know, wash your car, things like that to help try to conserve more water and alleviate the aquifer levels from from going lower. And the big reason why we want to do that is because these aquifers feed the spring systems. So the Comal Springs, the Comal River, and the St. Marcus River are fed by the Edwards Aquifer. And those protected species who rely on those springs to continue to be flowed will rely on that. So their protections bar, keep our river flowing. Where does um, Austin get their water from? I believe they get their water from Lake Travis, which is a large reservoir. Um, now, reservoirs have been built all over the state, you know, back back in the olden days by a lot of the, uh, the workers. But with reservoirs, you have high evapotranspiration rates. So all that surface water evaporates very quickly. Okay. Um, so they get their water from reservoirs, and a lot of San Antonio and other other stakeholders get the water from the Edwards Aquifer. Okay, so um, so with all this developing going on, so what's going to happen with the water? So development. So you have you know, let's say we have you know three new neighborhoods that pop up in San Marcos. Right. We've got three building three new ones right now. Yeah. So that's that many houses, that many more faucets that are pumping water out. So. Um, with this this kind of population and um, you know a fragile aquifer, we want to encourage um, the public to use more water conservation. You know, uh, let's see, like their landscape, use more native plants, um, be more conscious of the water they use in their daily lives um, to help conserve it more. So that's kind of the water quantity portion of development. Another issue is a water quality. So development, you have a lot of impervious covers. So that's any cover where water does not absorb into the ground. Right. Like a concrete, um, a rooftop, sidewalks, anything like parking lots, all the things that you have when you have development. So especially over the recharge zone, um, if you have development over the recharge zone. What's um, a recharge zone? So the recharge zone is a zone where rainwater, when it hits the ground, it flows through karst, um, limestone fractures, yeah, and that water flows directly into the aquifer. Okay. It doesn't flow through soil or vegetation where it can can filter, so it goes directly into the um, into the into the aquifer. Okay. And that's what recharges the aquifer. That's how the levels can rebound. So that area is very sensitive um, to chemicals, to pollutants, because if there's development and there's pollutants that um, are over the recharge zone, all of that can enter the aquifer. And once that's polluted, all your springs and everything is polluted as well. So it's very sensitive. Well, now when we lived in North Carolina, we had water from a spring. So I'm not used to drinking water that smells like chlorine. Yep. So big cities, you want want your water to be clean and chlorine is the way to do it in large scale. That's the way to do it? There's no other way that... uh... Don't know too much about about water utilities, but um, that's the only way that I'm aware of is, is, you know, um, large scale water utilities, chlorine, and put a little bit in there. Yeah, to make sure that uh, all the bacteria is, is won't make you sick. So, how is it affecting the parks too? Development. Yeah. Um, so development can affect the parks. Yes. Um, if you develop high in the watershed and you have a lot of impervious cover, what that will do is it will it won't it will keep the rainwater from infiltrating into the ground or flowing through native vegetation where it slows it down, filters it. Um, 
allows it to infiltrate. Instead, impervious cover will, all that water will be channelized and it will flow, increase the flow. All that water is untreated. So let's say, for instance, in a neighborhood, you have your, your storm drains. A lot of, all those storm drains, the water flows to that and it goes through a series of pipes and it's going to empty out in the nearest water body, untreated. So anything on those roads, any kind of oil leaks from your cars, you know, any kind of paint spills, it, it, really anything. Um, you can have pet waste, fertilizers, pesticides, anything like that can wash off in this rain, flows to the storm system, and it'll go straight to the, the river or creeks. So with development, we like to encourage best management practices, which are things like water uh, detention, biofiltration, um, rain gardens. These are features where water is diverted into an area where it filters through media. It filters a lot of those toxins out and then slowly releases. So that's ways where you can have smart development and um, not cause any flooding impacts or water quality issues downstream. Um, I think the biggest conflict is is spending tax dollars on acquiring land. So acquiring large pieces of land, green space, is sometimes not cheap. It's more of an investment for your future. Um, lately, we've been a lot of the nonprofit organizations in San Marcos, especially San Marcos River Foundation. Mm-hmm. They're the they're the group who spearheaded land conservation. So they're looking to acquire land and green space in the aquifer and the the recharge zone. Okay. And that's kind of the northwest portion of the uh, of the city. And the reason why they're trying to acquire land there is to um, to maintain nature's way of handling large rainfalls. So San Marcos, we get large, we get a lot of rain, we get a lot of flooding, and that area recharges very quickly. So all that water that hits the land goes straight down into our groundwater. Versus saying down the road development, buying a big portion of that, paving it over, and all that water is going to cause flooding downstream. So acquiring green space and land, um, trails are great. That's kind of a bonus. Mm-hmm. But the biggest reason to to keep the green space we have and increase the green space is... Um, it's basically for water quality and water quantity controls, um, mitigating that flooding, um, keeping aquifer you know clean and pollutant free. Who would they Who would they buy the uh, green space from? Uh, just individuals. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of private landowners um, who sell the land for you know any reason. Right. Um, we also have some some landowners who who keep their land, but they put it under a let's see what do they call it? Oh, like a trust. Kind of for... like a trust. Yeah. Well, in in perpetuity. Right. Um, you know, they, they, they put their, you know, specifics, I can build, you know, you know, one house in this in the future. But besides that, there will be no development in this land in perpetuity. If I sell it to the next guy, it's still going to be under that. So, um, there's ways you can, um, conserve for the future without selling your property. Okay. Okay. And then one question that I had that, um, just popped into my mind about well water. What are people doing now with their wells? Are the wells drying up or? I haven't heard a whole lot of wells drying up, um, as of recently. Okay. Now at the rate of population and pumping, um, could be a possibility for some of the shallow wells which is another reason. There are private landowners who have wells that are connected to the Edwards Aquifer. They have a stake. They're stakeholders um, for protecting the aquifer. So, um, you know, they sit in on the Edwards Aquifer Authority. Mm-hmm. They are the they are the group who manages the aquifer and how it is, um, you know, conserved. And they, they meet with a lot of the stakeholders.
authors, um, including private landowners who have wells. So if somebody's interested in volunteering or uh, being active with the uh, Edwards Aquifer, who would they contact? Um, so if they're interested in doing some of the conservation measures, yeah, um, they can contact me. Okay. Um, I'm at the Discovery Center, E-W-E-E-K-S, E-Weeks, at San Marcos, tx.gov is my email. Okay. Um, we have lots of volunteer opportunities from litter pickups to invasive removal to native planting days. You name it. All of these are to help conserve habitat um, for the species and for the San Marcos River. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Um, I I grew up in uh, Brooklyn, uh, which is a borough, so it wasn't Manhattan. And we did have green space. We had two large parks, and um, they were very important in my growing up. And then when we moved to Park Slope, uh, we were by uh, Grand Army Plaza and we had Prospect Park, which is really a big park. So I know the importance of parks. Um, but here in St. Marcus, why are parks important? Parks are important because it gets people outside. Um, a lot of people go to parks. It's 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 almost like it's therapeutic for people to, to just get connected to nature, to get outside, to exercise, good for their health. And these parks are, you know, they're great for wildlife as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're great connectivity for, for wildlife to, to travel and to, uh, to do well. Um, and then I already mentioned, you know, the water quality and quantity for parks. And it's great to keep these parks for the long term because some cities who don't plan for green spaces or acquire those early on um, will have, will have you know, the development everywhere and then you'll have any green spaces left. So it's great to, to acquire them now and to conserve them now. Um, it's kind of tough to create a green space from something that wasn't versus grabbing it while it's it's still uh, it's still natural. Well, I'll tell you, it sounds like you really like your job. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> and I want to say thank you for coming. And Sid is signaling me that it's time to say goodbye. Oh, excuse me. Sorry, it's a break. Okay, good. We can come back with more with uh, Eric. All right, let's take a break. <laughs> KZSM.org and the incredible people at the City of San Marcos Main Street program are proud to present live music with the Kissing Alley Concert Series. KZSM.org is proud to host this free, family-friendly event that is located at 121 East Hopkins, across from the historic downtown courthouse in San Marcos. The Kissing Alley Concert Series is every third Thursday from 6 to 9 p.m. and is a partnership with the Third Thursday Walkabouts. Come on out and support live local music and community radio at KZSM.org. See you downtown. Come on out and join us this Saturday, August the 5th, as we broadcast live from the Farmer's Market. Stop by and say hello to the DJs who bring you some of the best programming right here on your true community radio station, kzsm.org. Just a little bit south of Weird. Hi there. I have a question for you. Does music make you tap your toes or does music soothe you? Come join me at kzsm.org at the Celtic Corner every Saturday from 1 to 2 p.m. and see if the music that I play for you soothes you or makes you tap your toes. See you then. Welcome, San Marcos, Texas, 
and KZSM.org listeners all over the world. This is Metal Mark Live. Every Friday night, 10 p.m. to midnight. Check me out. I'm doing the metal that you love so much. Go to our main page. Check us out. Maybe help us out with a donation. Get involved with KZSM.org, San Marcos, Texas Community Radio. Grace and Wild Variety. Tune into Mixed Bag every Wednesday morning from 10 a.m. to noon for music and conversation as diverse as the San Marcos Police Blotter. Mixed Bag every Wednesday morning from 10 to noon, only on KZSM.org. Wake up to the Morning Glory Show with Tina every Sunday morning from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Let's wakey-wakey, eggsy-bakey with a fabulous mix of Christian and inspirational music and contemporary, rock, country, hip-hop, and more. Listen out for my community events about what's going on around town and hit the reset button with my Meditation Minute. All of that and more on the Morning Glory Show from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on KZSM.org. What's up, everybody? This is J-Rod. Tune in every Wednesday from 5 to 7 while my co-host Rivers and I bring you two hours of moving news, highlights, speculations, and reviews. Only here on San Marcos' home for community radio, KZSM.org. Okay, welcome back. You're listening to me, host of the L&B Show, an interview show that informs, and I'm here with Eric. And we're going to talk about native plants versus invasive plants. Okay, Eric. All right, so I'll give some definitions. So uh, a native plant is a plant that is from the area, is adapted and evolved um, to do well in that climate, soil conditions, temperatures, um, water conditions, versus... Um, a non-native invasive, um, which is a plant that is from far away. So a lot of our non-native invasives are from Asia, some from South America. So these species were introduced um, to central Texas because they look exotic um, for different reasons. And the reason why you want to choose natives versus invasives is invasives typically produce um, way more seeds than a native species. Mm-hmm. So they, they compete um, they're very competitive uh, for seed seed production. They grow quicker. One of the invasives is we have a lot is ligustrum. <clears throat> so it's it's a, it's a wax leaf ligustrum, and the way it competes is it's an evergreen. So it keeps its leaves all year round. And it shades out all the undergrowth below it, so you don't have any understory growth in the ground. This causes erosion, um, and that species basically takes over, and you have a monoculture of one species. And when you have a monoculture of one species, that reduces diversity. And when you reduce diversity, reduce wildlife habitat, and it throws your whole ecosystem out of balance. So your healthy ecosystems are going to have a diverse, diverse native plants. Um, and that's what we encourage. Well, how do these plants come over? Um, so ligustrum, for, exa- for example, yeah. it's a common landscaping hedge, a bush that you can buy at your big box stores. People plant them along the base of their house. Um, you can trim them. It's a nice bush. Problem is, when they get large, they produce a lot of seeds, and uh-huh. birds eat those seeds. 
and they spread them all over the place. Do I have that in front of my house? And you do not. Luckily, oh. you, you do not have legustrum. Thank you. <laughs> and some other plants are China berry and Chinese tallow. Well, isn't it against the law for these stores to sell them? You know, some plants are on the noxious list where they're not allowed to be sold in nurseries. Right. Some of them aren't. And it's really difficult to have these plants be put on those lists. So we kind of, we fight with, um, the best way we can do it is to educate the public at our sales, at our work workshops. We have signage as well. We do a lot of invasive removal along the river and do a lot of native plantings. And we put signage along our fences so people can understand why we cut these trees down and, and um, you know, our plans for restoration and the purpose and the why are we doing it. So education is a big, a big part of it. Um, and then just trying to provide the public native plants. So is there an increase in invasive plants in San Marcos? An increase versus yeah is it is it increasing so yes if, is it if, on the increase yeah if invasive plants aren't um, aren't addressed aren't cut down and treated um, they take over very rapidly so I would say it's pretty stable and probably decreasing. Um, due to the efforts that we're having, we, we do invasive removal in a lot of our natural areas as long as well as along the river. So, and we're also talking with a lot of the city engineers and, um, some of the big construction improvements. They always do landscaping designs. So we're actually consulting with them and helping them choose the right species so we can avoid, um, you know, having invasives in our landscapes. Are you working with the, um, developers? We're, we're working, well, we actually just passed code S. MTX, and in that code, it has a list of plants, species that you can choose, and a list of invasives that aren't allowed. So we actually have that in our code um, oh, that developers have to go by. Okay. So that, that definitely helps. So how did this code come about? What what part of government, you know, were was involved in this? So it's a city of San Marcos code. It's It's been going on for years and years and years and years and years. It's it. There's a big public um, input, lots of public meetings. So the public has lots of opportunities to come and um you know plant plant species is only one portion of it this happens this is all development wide neighborhoods about housing about flooding about you name it so okay all right um well it sounds like you like your job i do i love my job i mean how did you happen to get involved in this so I moved down to San Marcos. When you were 10 years old, <laughs> your father gave you a plant. I'm only kidding. So we can go way back. So I started, I was in the Boy Scouts. So ah, I, I grew Boy up Scouts. outside. And from that, I, I got a passion for the outdoors. And, um, you know. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Austin. Okay. Not far. Not far. Now we're away. <laughs> So that kind of led me into the degree path that I chose, which was resource and environmental studies in the geography department, Texas State. So I moved down here from, for school, and I fell in love with the area, with all the natural areas, and especially the San Marcos River. Such a special, unique river, unlike any river in the world. Why? Because it's spring-fed, 72 degrees all year round. You can swim in that river in the middle of Christmas time. People do polar plunges, and they swim in that river. It's just so beautiful. It's like a swimming pool, except there's an aquarium. There's fish everywhere. It's just, it's just beautiful. Um, and it's, it's so unique and special. And this town is really connected to the river. They're very passionate about it. Great group of folks. Um, so, yeah, I got, a, I got a degree in resource and environmental studies. And I got an internship with the city of San Marcos Habitat Conservation Plan. And that's where I really learned a lot and got really involved in, in you know, conserving the river and doing all these wonderful projects um 
you know, to, to restore it and to, to help it out. And, and, you know, I stuck with it for a few years and a position opened and applied for it and was fortunate enough to get hired. Um, with the city and and do it full time so all right great job well i'm glad that you uh came on the show and uh it's time to say goodbye thank you for having me well i really enjoyed it i learned a lot of things i didn't know too much about the monarchs i might plant them um except i have a cat what would she do to the monarchs if they come flying by Mm, you might want to uh, keep an eye on them, but uh, milkweed is the plant that they feed on, and okay. mo- most things don't like to eat milkweed, so it should be okay. Okay, okay. okay. So um, I enjoyed talking to you, and I want to thank you for coming on. Um, I've learned a lot. Um, okay, so my listeners, if you want to find out more about KZSM.org, go to their website. If you'd like to help KZSM, we can use volunteers and donations. If you want to sponsor my show, I'll talk about you for a whole hour. People get sick of me. Um, Email me at ebsept at juno.com. And if you want to see some of my other shows, go to SoundCloud or my Facebook page. Um, I want to thank Sid. He only messed up one time, but that's okay. I love him. We've been together 50 years plus. So I'm going to say goodbye from my heart to yours. Be kind and gentle to yourself and others. And since we were talking about nature, be kind to nature. Um, Stand tall and say yes to love. See you next time.